Welcome to the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, analysis, commentary, and funny stuff. This week, <laughs> I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host, Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello! And Miss Christine Steimer. Hey, what up? Alexa Ray is under the weather, and so she will not be joining us this week, but we've got lots of fun stuff to talk about. Nonetheless, it is now officially December, everybody. <sighs> How that is crazy? I love it. I've been <laughs> blasting the Christmas music. I have the house decked out. Oh, I just love it. You know what I started? Same, listening I'm even to wearing today? my first Christmas sweater of the season. Yeah. You guys can't see the bottom, but it says "Gangsta Rappa" for all the people listening, and it's got a pug on it that's got a bow on his head, and it's all sequined. Rapper it's is so sparkly. Yes, like Christmas rapper, not yeah. like like I spit hot rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> You never know. That pug, that pug could be great. I it. want that on a t-shirt, Andrea. I spit hot rhymes. <laughs> um, as always, a big shout out and thank you to all of our patrons for supporting us and being there for us. We will do our turbo patron shout outs next week's episode. Once everything has processed, we've kind of changed up the way that we're doing, uh, the collection on Patreon. So we want to make sure we get all of the correct names in order. Um, so, uh, look out for that next week. But I do want to mention that if you guys haven't yet voted, the Game Awards are on Thursday, December 7th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And I'm nominated for an award and it's really easy to vote. All you have to do is go open your phone or open your computer and open your web browser and type in trending gamer vote. And my face will pop up. You just click on it and hit submit vote. And that's it. It literally takes Do it. 10 seconds. Do it. And if she wins, she's going to spit some hot rhymes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know if I want you want to obligate me to that because no. you guys are the ones that are going no, to have to listen to my it's really fine. terrible rhymes. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I'm really excited. I'm going to be um, doing some hosting at the show, which I'm going to be announcing very soon. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And then we're all going to be there. And we're also all going to be at PSX, the PlayStation Experience 2017 in Anaheim, California, next weekend, December 9th and December 10th. So that's Saturday and Sunday. And we've decided, since we're going to be there, why don't we do a little meet and greet? So if you are planning to go to PSX, or if you just live in the Anaheim area, um, you do not need a badge to come to our meet and greet. We have decided right now that we're going to 
meet up with folks at 1.30 p.m., from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. Pacific time in the Marriott Lobby Bar right next to the convention center. It's, you can't miss it. It's just right there attached to the convention center. Um, so if you guys want to stop by and have a drink, talk about video games, maybe play some video games, because last year I spent a lot of BSX playing Paragon in the lobby with Nick Chester from Epic. <laughs> Surprising um, no one. Yes, I know. Um, I'm going to talk about that in the hands-on section because I jumped back in Ooh. Uh, over the weekend. Yeah, but um, we would love to see you guys. And don't forget, we also have our holiday merch currently on sale in our merch store. That's teespring, T-E-E-Spring.com slash what's good holiday. If you guys want to check out that stuff. Um, ladies, I believe the stuff I ordered for us is arriving in a couple of days. <gasps> Ooh. Soon. I we might be able to wear it. Uh, on the on the holiday show before the end of the year, it's gonna yes. be very exciting. We got to get a Christmas tree in that studio too. Oh, you know what? I have it. I even like put the lights on it and everything, and I left it inside. Oh no! Ugh. Maybe what I'll do is after this first segment, I'll go get it. Then, yeah, okay. I'll swap yeah. it out for the Tetris lights. Um. All right. Well, that is enough plugs for right now. Um. I also want to say, oh my gosh. I totally forgot my what I was going to say. I'll think about it, and we'll talk about it in the second segment. Perfect. <laughs> um, but we do have some big news, Britt. Uh-huh. I think you're probably going to be the expert on this big news. So Final Fantasy 15 had a little live stream this week, and they announced that they're going to be adding more downloadable content in 2018. So, of course, this week marks the first anniversary of Final Fantasy XV. The game was released last year. And Square Enix commemorated the occasion with a special active time report, (laughs) along with announcing the game's December update, which we'll talk about in just a second, which will allow players to switch characters. The stream revealed that Square Enix plans to release more episodes for Final Fantasy XV next year thus far two dlc episodes have been released with a third episode ignis scheduled to arrive this month square plans to release more dlc episodes and during this time report a uh, director hashime tabata said that he would like to release at least three more episode style dlc chapters during the course of the year now he didn't share many more details about what these episodes would entail but he did reveal that the first will focus on arden Yes. Did I say that right? You did. And he also said that the chapter will reveal more details about the world of Eos. Eos? Eos. Eos. I would say Eos. We don't have a resident okay. expert, Alexa Ray, here. Yes. Yeah. But, Britt, so what do you think about this? More episodes. I'm really excited. And like I said, I'm sad Alexa can't be here for this because she admittedly knows way more than I do. She knows, like, this store and this lore inside store. Story and lore inside and out. That's <laughs> well, she, she and Tabata-san are like BFF. I know. Mm-hmm. I've never met him. Alexa, hook a girl up. Um, I'm really excited. So I've mentioned this before. I love Final Fantasy 15. I think it has a great story. The world is very um, deep, and there's lots of immersion there, and it's fantastic. However, there were certain story elements that were left out, and I'm thankful that we're getting them now in the form of DLC. It would have been nice to have seen them included in the original story. Um, something that I'm excited about that wasn't touched on in what you just said, Andrea, is that they are doing a Final Fantasy 15 Comrades um, uh, patch, and they're going to be fixing some of the things that I have a lot of issues with. I put about seven hours in over the weekend with it. Uh, and they're going to be fixing the loading times. So right now my loading times are anywhere from like a minute 30 to two minutes and 30 seconds between like maps. It's really bad. 
Oh, that's long. It's Two really minutes? bad. Yeah. And there's some other issues, but they're saying they're going to significantly cut those down to about 10 to 30 seconds, depending on which area you're going to be visiting, which is needed. But I can talk more about that um, in the hands-on section. But with episode Arden, that was kind of surprising, kind of not, because I believe they pulled fans and they said, hey, if you could see any additional episodes featuring any characters, what would it be? And Arden and Luna Freya were the top picks. And Arden is such a huge character and he's so involved in the Final Fantasy 15 story. We see him in Kingsglaive and he has been around many thousands of years. I don't want to spoil his significance because it's quite significant. But that's going to okay. be really exciting to see. Episode Ignis, we're going to find out why he has the thing wrong with his eye. We're, we're finally going to get that. There's going to be multiple endings. They're saying like two and a half to three hours to finish all of it. I'm just really excited. I'm like, waiting yeah, for them to awesome. finish this game so that I can play it. Yeah, you really should. I mean, I would wait until obviously next year when everything's probably not everything's out. Because I think these three extra DLC packs are going to be coming out over the course of like 2018, probably even to 2019 a little bit. Wouldn't it be? Oh, my God. Yeah. It, Alexa and I talk about this. And some days we're like, you know, why doesn't Final Fantasy 15 just end? But then whenever they like announce new content, <laughs> whenever they announce new content, like we get our panties in a bundle in a good way. And we're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I'm thrilled and I'm excited about it. And Pocket Edition still is going to come, has, isn't out yet, but when it comes out, I'll be playing that. And, uh, uh, that's my excitement uh, coming out. Uh, I, I think just, it's uh, impressive that they're able to keep the interest in this game so far after launch. I mean, yeah. generally, when you get these single player RPG, you know, really intense, deep experiences, it, it's just enough on its own and then that's it. Maybe you'll get one or two like big expansions and that's it. But it's been interesting seeing them kind of change up their strategy and kind of put out a little piece of content, you know, here and a little piece of content there and how they're adding in this multiplayer component. But I guess if you spend what a decade making a game, <laughs> you kind of <laughs> want to keep using the infrastructure of that game to make more content so you don't have to make a new game, right? Yeah. And I think it's a test. <laughs> to how great the story really is and how much the fans did appreciate it that they're willing i think i spent 90 hours in final fantasy 15 and i'm sure a lot of average playthroughs are around the same time willing to go back and experience the story that many haven't touched i haven't touched in over a year so props to you square enix i appreciate what you're doing just next time release it all at once please thanks <laughs> just include it in your game thank you <laughs> where it should have been well but I well, I mean, would you have would you have rather that they included it in the game but then delayed the game's release to make sure to get all of the content they wanted in the game? Yeah, I would have because there are some major plot gaps and there's a span of 10 years that you know nothing about essentially. There are characters who you're introduced to like Luna Freya and some shit hits the fan with her and you're like what happened? Why is she here? And if you didn't do any of the lore reading, read, uh, watch the films, read some additional content, you have no idea really who these characters are um, and their significance that they hold. So I think the game would have fared much better had they do that. I understand why they didn't, because hello, we'd all been waiting since we were in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we will keep an eye on uh, the episode when it comes out. I'm sure Britt will give us a full report after she plays it. And then I'm sure we'll get more details about the episodes in 2018. Probably early next year would be would be my guess. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a trailer at the Game Awards. Um, could be. Could happen. Give me oh, but it have great hair in it. That's my prediction. Oh, yeah. Oh, their hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next story. Epic Games, the creators of Fortnite, have sued a 14-year-old over cheating in the game. So this is an interesting story. Um, I'll give you guys some background as uh, reported by Game Informer. So Epic Games said it wasn't going to let Fortnite cheaters slide. And last month, it proved just that by filing lawsuits against people who allegedly helped people cheat in its free-to-play Battle Royale mode. This week, a letter to the U.S. District Court, Eastern District of North Carolina, revealed that one of those individuals is a minor. In it, the player's mother writes that she never gave consent for her child to participate in Fortnite, which Epic requires for the game. And the letter also states that her son gained the cheats from a public website and live-streamed it. Thus, Epic should be going after the website and not her son. Epic also cannot prove her son to modify the game in any way himself, as the lawsuit alleges. She brings Fortnite's Battle Royale's free-to-play status into the discussion, saying this makes it impossible to prove her son caused any profit loss, and states since no purchase occurred, her son is off the hook. Quote, Epic Games failed to legally bind underage users with their EULA agreement, which is a contract between the licensor and purchaser, establishing the purchaser's right to use the software. This being said, the game itself was in fact free. No purchase of said game occurred. End quote. So this kid, whose name is Caleb Rogers, admitted on his YouTube channel to cheating and has since been posting videos defending himself against Epic. And Epic is seeking the maximum of $150,000 for this specific incident. So Good luck. Game, yeah, I know. So Game Informer reached out and was like, yo, Epic, can we get a statement? And they said, quote, this particular lawsuit arose as a result of the defendant filing a DMCA counterclaim to a takedown notice on a YouTube video that exposed and promoted Fortnite Battle Royale cheats and exploits. Under these circumstances, the law requires that we file suit or drop the claim. Epic is not okay with ongoing cheating or copyright infringement from anyone at any age. As stated previously, we take cheating seriously and will pursue all available options to make sure our games are fun, fair, and competitive for players. Wow. So, this is interesting because this lawsuit probably never would have occurred if he hadn't filed a counterclaim to the video. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> if he had just let Epic win, which they have every right to file the DMCA vid- uh, takedown of his videos on YouTube, of course they do. If he had not been so brazen as to be like, but he's fourteen. <laughs> like, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna file a counterclaim. That's such a fourteen-year-old I don't move. own. <laughs> Isn't it though? Like it's a, it's like such a teenager move to be like yeah. no to yeah. like because all you have to do is like click a button. So <laughs> yeah, wow. literally, it's it's crazy to me that um this got this far and like his parents obviously had to spend money at least to retain legal counsel to engage with Epic's lawyers and Epic was forced into this right like they right. couldn't back down he filed a counterclaim so they said okay well now you're forcing our hand and they have a bunch of lawyers just on retainers so I'm sure they just called one of them and were like draft this thing up and now it's become this whole deal but I think the more important thing here is to remember that cheating 
is bad, folks. <laughs> I mean, sorry. it is. And trying trying to pretend you own something you don't own because you want to cheat at it is even worse. But I also I just, think it's another story of watch your kids. Know what your kids are doing. Right. Like, yes. She's like, I never gave consent for him to participate in Fortnite. Like, uh, surely like, if you you really had zero idea that your kid was playing this game. And that he was posting YouTube was, videos about it, apparently. Right. Maybe like, take do you responsibility. just not pay attention whatsoever to your child? <laughs> I mean, I mean, normally I'd be like, you know, take some effing responsibility. And I'm still saying that in this case. Like, if that's like your first argument, I never gave him consent. Well, that's where the problem started in your mind. Then maybe you should watch what your kids do and you never would have had this problem. Because if you're such a good mom, rah, rah. He'd never been playing this game in the first place, which is the way you're framing it. I've seen a lot of episodes of Judge Judy, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> but I mean, she, I mean, for $150,000, like, that's a lot of money. So I understand why they're fighting this the way they are. I mean, you're pulling, yeah. Yeesh. It's, it's, it's messy. It's interesting. I think it's also interesting if you think about it from this free to play aspect, saying that the game is in fact free as, as the, you know, Caleb's mother wrote in her counter, um, claim or her, her letter mm-hmm. and that no purchase of the game occurred. Um, obviously that doesn't, that's, that doesn't ma- make a difference. You still sign a terms and conditions like the EULA, as she mentioned, the end right. user license agreement, which so many of us sign so glibly. We just like click the box yep, and say, yep. accept, <laughs> don't even read Get it. Get out of my face. <laughs> Let me play the game. I accept. Yep. Um, funny sidebar to that. I once was on a panel with a developer who said that because they know that people don't read those legal agreements, Deep inside the terms and conditions, they added a paragraph that said, whoever is the first person to mail us a letter saying that they agree to the terms and conditions to our to our uh, office address will get a $10,000 check. Oh, so they what? buried that in the legal agreement. And she said it took them seven months for one person to mail <gasps> something <laughs> or something like that. I'm not I thought surprised. Gonna, I thought you were going to say like seven years, but like. <laughs> I'm surprised somebody even mailed it in at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, Hot. Yeah. She Damn. was just like, yeah, just for, just for like shits and giggles. We decided to put this in there to see if anybody would do it. And that's it amazing. took so long for somebody to find it. <laughs> like, wow. That's amazing. Um, anyway, so. Folks, it's important to know that when you play video games, you are making legal binding agreements and you should make sure that you're following the rules and don't be a 14 year old who makes a counterclaim against Epic Games. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. You're not fully hatched at 14, you see. You don't quite understand the consequences of your actions. So we no, understand. He absolutely but... didn't. He was just like, I'm going to do this and it's going to be fine. And... See, mom, had you been paying attention, you could have told your son, hey, you're being an idiot, but no. Just accept the takedown and move on with your life. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, but now instead, you got to go to fucking court. Yeah. LOL. <laughs> I went to court once when I was in high school, but it wasn't for something so serious as a $150,000 lawsuit. Okay, now um, you got to tell us. Yeah, so I was <laughs> I'm all about like the tangents this week. Um so I was driving with a learner's permit in North Dakota at the time. If you had a learner's permit, you could drive with somebody with a driver's license in the vehicle. Right. Um That's and normal. so I was driving my friend 
my friend Trisha's car. We were cruising down Broadway, like the main drag in Fargo. And you can't <laughs> cruise there. And you can't cruise there anymore because they have a no cruising sign. But I got there during the good days where you can still cruise. <laughs> um, Is cruising just defined by like you're just going back and forth? Correct. Yeah. You're okay. literally like driving very slowly up like a six block stretch and then turning around and driving back. Okay. Okay. But can you, describe- there was like a holiday gas station on one end and there was like a, like a train station on the other end. And so we would just like make these loops, like we, you know, with the windows down, blaring Tupac. Cause that was like the cool oh, yeah. thing to do when oh, yeah. I was in high school. <laughs> no, I did the same thing. Um, and, um, we would stop at holiday, like pick up a soda or whatever candy, and then we would get back in the car and keep going. <laughs> uh, listen, North Dakota wasn't exactly an exciting place when I was a teenager. Okay. I mean, well, that's, that's what fair. I was going to ask. Like how big was downtown to like cruise, like Fargo? Like what was that? Like? I mean, literally like six blocks. That, oh. That's about it. Like all like um, one it's a story little bit more developed now um, oh. because there's so much more money in the state. But back then. So anyway, I got I got pulled over because at one time we were swi- we were swapping out. She was letting me drive and she was going to sit in the passenger seat. And I pulled out of the parking lot, not realizing I only had like the like the fog lights or the parking lights on, not the full headlights. And I'm so we're cruising. And of course, this cop was just looking for a reason to pull us over. Pulled me over, gave me a ticket. I'm freaking out. It's the first time I've been pulled over. A cop gives me a ticket. He's like, you know, you're not supposed to be driving without a license. I'm like, but my friend has a license. And he's like, yeah, but she's not 18. And I was like, damn it. Oh, <laughs> I didn't you were know like, that was part of the rule. I, I misunderstood the rule, sir. <laughs> no, I totally tried to play ignorant. In fact, I played ignorant and then I got defensive, just like this 14 year old got defensive and put his counterclaim up. I said, you know, I said, you know what, officer? I was like, you shouldn't have pulled me over in the first place. I wasn't doing anything illegal. I wasn't speeding. I used my turn signal. <laughs> I just, Andrea. I just off, <laughs> no. And he just sits there staring at me and he's like, mm hmm. Well, you didn't have your headlights on and that's, against the law you need to drive with your headlights on after sundown and i was like but the headlights were on and he's like no they weren't and i was like fine he wrote me the ticket uh and then i went to court because my mom got pissed of course she was like i can't believe you're driving and she she makes me go to court so i have to get off school in the middle of the day go down to the courtroom this judge just is the meanest she calls my name and i get up there and she asked me to explain myself and I go through this whole shtick again about how like I should never have been pulled over in the first place and the the cop had no reason to give me a ticket. And she's like, were you driving without a license? And I was like, yes, your honor. She's like, were you driving without somebody that was of the correct age? I was like, yes, your honor. She's like, so you were doing something illegal. And I was like, mm, damn it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, yes, your honor. She was like, "Mm -hmm. well, let's see what the officer had to say. And luckily, the officer forgot to file the report with the court. So they had to throw my ticket out. Yes. You got by on a technicality. Good for you. Crap. That's amazing. That never happens. (laughs) I know. So um, I got very lucky. Um, But anyway, anyway, criminal record, Andrea Renee. Well, no, it was. In, oh, yeah, exist. never mind. No, yeah, there is no record. It's, <laughs> it's not. That's not anywhere. 
Oh my gosh. Oh my god. That was that was a long story. I'm sorry. No, it was maybe, a good story. Maybe he like maybe he did it on purpose that he didn't file a claim. Maybe he liked your sass and was like, I'm just gonna scare the kid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was like, That kid is not worth the paperwork. <laughs> He's like, this is the most dumb ticket ever. After he wrote it, he was probably like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Given 15-year-olds cruising tickets. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, it's the worst. <laughs> okay, oh, next God. story. Um, this is a fun one. Kellogg is making a Super Mario Odyssey cereal with a select Amiibo sticker box. So, now this was confirmed. Confirmed, I believe, today, but when we pulled the story, it was still rumored. Um, whispers of a new Super Mario <laughs> breakfast treat have grown to the level of a dull roar, says IGN. All evidence points to an oat and marshmallow-based cereal <laughs> in the works of Kellogg. That sounds the gross when they explain it like that. <laughs> uh, gained traction when the cereal enthusiast website Serialistly. <laughs> Such a good name. Such, Such a great good name. name. Posted an alleged confirmation of the existence of the cereal and its functional amiibo box. Over on Twitter, Wario64, one of the guys who always has the hot tips, if you don't follow him, you absolutely should, put the cereal, or posted that the cereal is in the Target system, all but confirming we'd soon be taking an odyssey of breakfast flavor. That flavor, mixed berry with marshmallows, to be exact. I am down for this cereal. It sounds great. I'm going to buy a couple boxes. So it looks really cute because um, they've got this big Mario on the front of the box and uh, the Amiibo is actually, uh, you know, the um, the chip or whatever is built inside the cardboard. And so you save the box and you apparently can like tap your controller or whatever to the cardboard box. I mean, I think it's going to get a little unwieldy. You're probably going to have to break it down, the box down, but don't throw the box out is what they're trying to say. So is it they not possible? Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, so is it not possible to bring your Switch with you to Target and scan the chip in Target? Without buying the box. Ooh, right. Yeah, you totally could. Right? I don't know how these chip things work. I've never used the Amiibo it chips. Says scan I didn't here. even think about that, Brit. Oh, that's here. I'm here Dude. asking the right questions. I'm going to try I mean, it. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you be? I mean, but also, like, the cereal sounds good. It does <laughs> sound, yeah, I'm going to buy the cereal anyway. <laughs> I'll eat the box within a day, so I'm not allowed. Like, I was telling the ladies this before we started recording. I only get cereal when I go to Andrea's house, because if it's in my house, it lasts maybe an hour or two, max. So I might yeah, have like, to be. One box won't kill you. No, it's just the guilt. Because then I open the floodgates. You don't my need life, guilt. You know? But I might be one of those people who bring my Switch to Target and try to scan the cardboard box and then get thrown out of Target. That's great. I don't, yeah, I don't know what kind, they haven't detailed what the content is or what the buff is that you're going to get. Cause obviously all the amiibo kind of have like a little different something that they give you in Odyssey. Um, but, um, it'll be interesting to see. And I saw somebody make a joke. Um, it was either on Twitter or on Facebook that this, that Nintendo is finally releasing an amiibo that will have more than five copies available for purchase. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, very Seriously? true. So I was looking into this because I like to collect strange Nintendo things. And apparently there was cereal in 1986 that ran from 86 to 1989. And it was called Nintendo Cereal System, and it was two bags of cereal. One was Mario, one was Zelda. And, like, Zelda's uh, bag of cereal had, like, Link's items in it, and Mario's had, like, mushrooms and other things in it. And apparently it's a collector's item, so I went on Amazon to try to buy this, but I can't find it. 
and they run anywhere from a hundred to two hundred dollars because now I want this because it's like old NES cereal. Why wouldn't I? Would want you? It? Would you eat old ass cereal? No, Simmer. Okay. It, I would probably. I'm just checking because you said you can't have cereal in your house. I'm wondering how far this obsession goes. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like 20 year old cereal but at this point. Vacuum sealed. Three year old cereal. No, no, come on. Like if you have put a box of cereal, even if it's in the vacuum sealed bag. A year later, that shit is stale. Okay? I kind of still would want to try it. <laughs> of course weird? you would. <laughs> Unless we like have the apocalypse, I probably will not eat it. There you go. Yes. It's your apocalypse cereal. Yeah. You got zombies coming. You like grab that Mario cereal. You take it with you. Oh my gosh. I love cereal. Um, okay. Well, we'll keep an eye out. Maybe we'll do a taste test video. <gasps> yes. Um, if this cereal comes out, we can all eat cereal together. It sounds like the greatest day. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Okay. So uh, before we wrap up news, um, I wanted to go over some of the content that Sony finally announced is going to be at the PlayStation experience. There will be some panels. We still don't know what the special presentation is going to hold on Friday night, but um, it has been announced that Sucker Punch will be talking about its upcoming Ghosts of Tsushima in a panel. Yeah. What? I said, we yes. said yes. Oh, <laughs> I was like, did you say something? In a panel moderated by uh, Brian Altano of IGM, that's going to be at 3.30. We know on him. Saturday. We do know him. He is a lovely human being. Uh, Media Molecule is hosting a panel on the development of dreams and is including a, quote, very special guest among the panelists. And that's going to be at 12.30. That's a weird uh, PlayStation game. PlayStation VR is doing a panel um, at 11 featuring, quote, two legends. And two panels will celebrate the history of the PlayStation platform. IGN is hosting a top 10 PlayStation games panel. And they are also hosting a 10th anniversary celebration of the Uncharted franchise, which we can expect probably some of the uh, people involved with that series to to make an appearance there. So who do we think the very special guest for Dreams is going to be? I have no, no literally guesses. no idea because that game is so weird and it would be cool if it was like Tim Burton, but it won't be. But like just something as zany as that game because it's so like Stand seriously. It's strange In 20, 20 seconds, explain what Dreams is. Why Why is it so weird? I don't even I don't even know that I can explain it at all. Fair enough. Like it's something you ha- I have to like watch videos on. And I was kind of trying to look back and see when they announced it. So, uh, says, according to the Wikipedia page, it's an upcoming sandbox video game that focuses on play, create, and share, and allows players to create user-generated content. You'll control an imp, which is used to interact with the game's world, create new items, characters, and manipulate objects by grabbing and pulling them. Players move the imp using the DualShock 4 or the PlayStation Move controllers, and your imp is customizable. You can change the emotion by drawing on the controller's touchpad. And you'll have the ability to possess characters featured in a dream, allowing players to take a direct control of these characters huh. it's weird it, yeah i'm looking at yeah. the gameplay it looks very weird so i have no clue well, yeah and and the game I, I think it's i think it's just a little too ethereal for my personal taste i i don't dislike these types of games um but sometimes they're hard for me to get into because i'm kind of like it's almost gone too far into the realm of being art Artsy, and not yeah. enough game you know what I yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure people will do cool stuff with it, but I don't think I'll be one of those people. Like, right. I think I'll be someone who's just watching videos of this game on YouTube. 
when someone's done something cool because I just even the more I see the game, I'm just like, wait, what? What am I doing? How do what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so strange. You. And so yeah, and they're like a special guest. I'm like, I I don't know. Can can you just tell me more about the game? Please. I don't I don't I don't need I don't need a special friend. That sucker pinch I need panel, a real though. pitch. I am there for that sucker pinch panel. I will oh, camp yes. outside for that panel. I mean not really, but I I'm very excited to see it. Simon, you're excited to see that one too, yes? I'm super yeah, I, I mean I love Sucker Punch and I think this game looks really cool and different, so I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah. and I forgot to mention, there's also The Last of Us Part 2, Meet the Cast, Ooh. where uh, Neil Druckmann the, and co-writer Haley Gross and some cast members will be discussing the making of that Paris Games Week trailer. They're a little bit more context for that very controversial scene. Oh, that'll be good, too. I am excited for that. What time is that one? Um, It is after... The 10th anniversary celebration, so I believe 6 p.m. Great. We'll get our popcorn. We'll sit in the theater. We'll wait until <laughs> Six, it comes on. 6.30, Stammer. Great. Um, yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, hopefully, we'll get some new details about some stuff, and we will be there playing some games. You can expect some hands-on impressions from us um, after that show is over. Um, there were a couple of other news stories that happened this week, but quite frankly, I'm just so tired of talking about Star Wars Battlefront. I just like, can't even, <laughs> but there's like a big, like hoop-de-doo about customization, how somebody found, how they data mined the, the software and they found that there's customization like built into the code and how EA is going to implement customization. And then people were like, but canon. And then other people were like, but not canon because Darth Maul is fighting Ray and that's not canon. Um, and it's just, exhausting. Like, people, it really people is. Are so upset. I'm just like, why? <laughs> it's like, it's a multiplayer cheer. game. Who cares? You're not, I don't know. Yeah. Who, I, yeah. So we decided you. to not discuss it. Um, we got several emails from you guys after we talked about doing a Star Wars Battlefront spoiler cast. And quite frankly, I was surprised by how many of you said, please don't do it, um, which was something that I was not expecting. So we will not be doing a spoiler cast for the Star Wars <laughs> Battlefront 2 campaign. We so many please. of you were like, ugh, please, no, let it be over. Oh, God. So sad. <laughs> so it sounds, and I don't know how much of this you know, Andrea, but it sounds like the next game everyone's jumping down is Destiny 2. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yes, I know. I've been reading about they it. They canceled <laughs> their stream for Trials of Osiris. No, not Trials. Whatever the... The Curse of Osiris. Curse of Osiris. Osiris. I knew there was something with Osiris. <laughs> um, yeah, they canceled it, and then they're going to go back and, like give hopefully satisfactory answers to their community but it seems like people are just real mad people are mad they need some people holiday really in their lives i was about to say like it's the holidays i feel like <laughs> we be should happy. be a little happier so they put out a statement this actually just came out a few hours ago um, so they had said that they were going to be doing, as Steimer mentioned, a live stream detailing some more weapons and upgrade options that are coming in the expansion that releases next week. They said, we're canceling that because we hear the outcry. So the outcry happened because there was some XP leveling 
um, transparency issues that were discovered by some very smart Redditors. I mean, the, the amount of time that people put into some of the research that they're doing to discover this stuff is really incredible. Um, who basically did a lot of testing and keeping track of data and discovered that by grinding certain events in the game, the game is not actually giving you the amount of experience points that it says it's giving you. And of course, with all of the um, outcry over microtransactions and loot boxes that has been happening over the last couple of months, people immediately jumped to, oh, this is you destiny uh ea excuse me activision and, and bungie trying to make us buy more loot boxes more engram bright engrams in, in the game so you purchase silver and then the silver buys you the bright engrams which are the in-game purchase uh purchasable item so you can also get these bright engrams by grinding out for xp and so they said well you're being tricksy because you said you give me gave me 5,000 XP for this thing, but you didn't actually give me that much. And I'm like, really? Is that a thing? And so Bungie like acknowledged it right away. They said, uh, that's not right. We want to fix that. We want to make sure everything's transparent because I think the, a lot of the Destiny community members came forward and said, listen, like if you don't want to be able to like chain these public events together, for example, or chain some of the patrols together to be able to grind for XP, that's fine. Don't be sneaky about it. Be open about it. And we won't be mad at you. It's when you get sneaky that people get mad because then they feel like you're doing something shady because you probably are. Because you are. You be sneaky (laughs) about it. Either somebody messed up or it's shady. Like those are the two options. Yes. I'm hoping that somebody messed up. So I haven't read this yet. So I'm just going to read the statement really quickly. Go for it. It says, Hey everyone, with Destiny 2's console and PC launches behind us, we want to take some time to talk to you about Destiny 2, specifically where it's at today and where it's going. Our team has been reading feedback and working on updates to improve the game. We've also been reading some tough criticism about our lack of communication and we agree we need to be more open. Going forward, Destiny 2's post-launch game systems, features, and updates are being designed specifically to focus on and support players who want Destiny to be their hobby, the game they return to, and a game where friendships are made. We want Destiny to be a game that fits into your life, providing you with reasons to log in and play with your friends, clans, and families. We want Destiny to be a world you want to be part of. A month ago, we published a list of improvements on the blog, and today we're going to revisit that list and update its status and share some of the work the team is writing for December, January, and beyond. We know it's frustrating when there isn't enough of a dialogue with the development team. You have our commitment that we're going to do a better job going forward. Signed, Luke Smith and Chris Barrett. Good! So... so (laughs) That's good, but it is, it seems like a lot of lip service to me. Of course. Oh, and yeah. They gotta put their money where their mouth is at this point. Yeah. It, yes. It's just interesting because we've talked about this. I think what the fans and the players want more than anything is just complete, honest, open transparency. Like, let's just keep things 100 with each other. And then when, like you ladies were saying earlier, then you don't seem so shady. And I think a problem with Bungie too, and let me know what you ladies think, is they use the typical like PR system, which is there's nothing wrong with that, but that kind of creates this barrier between developer and fans. So you kind of get like this mumbo jumbo lip service when in reality, all they really want is like the direct feedback. Like, Hey, we hear you. We acknowledge your concerns. We're working on it. Not like for weeks to go by or a week to go by. And then, then it just, the, the anger just builds and then you see what happens. Yeah, there was yes. some other weird part to this that I I can't quite remember exactly what it was, but I think I read about it on Kotaku and, and or maybe just saw it on Twitter. But like well, it was it was where after they had been like, oh, we fixed it, quote unquote, then it was something like 
it was supposed to be 90,000 XP would be a level, but then the a Twitter account said like, oh yeah, no, it's tracking 160,000 XP. So I don't know, it, like basically once they fixed the glitch, <laughs> then they doubled the amount of XP that you had to earn so that it wasn't really helping you in any way earn any more bright engrams, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that's definitely like part of the problem, but also like it gets to a point where like the grind is necessary once you've completed all of the content, right? Like once you've played everything that was included in the base price of the game until like the expansion comes out, which is coming out next week. I mean, I I'm kind of of the mindset that if you want to keep playing and getting access to new content for free, there has to be a balance between um, in-game progression for free and then in-game progression for pay, right? Like, and this is the why people have been so upset this year is because that balance has been completely out of whack. It hasn't been mm-hmm. balanced. Right. And so I think that's really where people are upset and saying, like, it needs to feel fair. And it just hasn't felt fair in so many of these games that people have been complaining about. And that's where I really hope they take a look at the balance and go, what feels fair? Like how many yeah. hours of play are we talking about versus how many dollars can people spend? And let's find something where people feel like they're getting their time's worth or their money's worth, whatever the case may be, whatever you are, you're spending, whatever your currency is, whether it's your time or whether it's your money. Um, they did detail on the website, which I'm not going to list here because it's quite a bit of stuff. Upcoming updates, including new systems, new rewards, better incentives, uh, better rewards for strikes, adventures, and lost sectors. Private match is for the crucible, crucible tuning, better incentives for completing crucible matches, continuing improvements to iron banner and faction rallies, uh, can changes to the mod economy, ongoing improvements to exotics, new ways to spend surplus currency and materials. And finally, an emote interface that allows players to equip salty, spicy ramen six shooter and flip out all at the same time. Perfect. Which are the I still need emotes. the salty one. <laughs> uh, yeah, the salty one's good. I, I wanted to buy the ramen one, but it was so much bright dust. I was so mad. I got mad again at the microtransactions of this game. I'm like, I love this game so much. Why can't I just buy the emote with money? But instead, in order to get enough bright dust to buy the emote, I would have had to buy at least 20, if not more, bright engrams and then dismantled everything in the bright engrams or hoped that I got a, I got bright dust as like a drop in one of the engrams to get enough dust to buy. Cause I can't just spit, I can't just give them $5 or $10 for the emote. I have to buy a giant pack and then hope. Pray no. to R and Jesus that I get R and Jesus, where did yeah. you go? We live in Why a day developers us? and we love you, but if you if you try to sneak any shady things or anything, you try to hide anything, people are gonna find yeah. out. There are a lot of people out there who are looking are looking for things to exploit on the Reddits. Just be honest yeah. and it all will be better than it will be if you're not honest. And don't Life rely lesson. so much on R and Jesus. Yeah, R and Jesus yes. just needs to go away. Just yeah, just let me buy the thing I want. Yeah. Please. Please. Well buy okay. it. Okay. Um, I wasn't intending to talk about this Destiny story, way. but we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about getting back into Destiny 2 in the next segment. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back and talk about what we've been playing this week. Hopefully you guys have been playing some cool stuff. You had some time over the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States or maybe just over your last weekend if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And, um, so buckle in. We're going to talk about some video games. We'll be right back. This episode of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by TakeThis.org. 
Take This AFK Rooms are mental health first aid for conventions worldwide. And without the psychomancers, they'd just be empty space. Since 2014, Take This has been sending psychomancers to conventions worldwide, trained in the art of mental health first aid. Psychomancers create safe, welcoming spaces for people dealing with mental health issues and can help guide people in distress to the help they need. Between training, insuring, flying, lodging, and feeding our psychomancers, Take This spends over tens of thousands of dollars a year to help thousands of people dealing with mental health issues at conventions all over the world. And the Psychomancers need your help to keep flying. Visit the Take This Patreon at patreon.com slash takethisorg to learn more about the Psychomancer Project and how you can help bring help, healing, and hope to people around the world. Become a sponsor of the Take This AFK Rooms, staffed with Psychomancers, stuffed with hope. Patreon.com slash takethisorg. Welcome back, everybody. This is the What's Good Games podcast. And so in that break, you guys just heard or you just watched an ad from Take This. They have been a sponsor of What's Good Games since we launched. And we can't thank them enough for all of their support and all of the good work that they do. And we are patrons of theirs at patreon.com slash takethisorg. And they need some more help. We know that it's tough particularly this time of year, um, that there's so many different causes. Extra Life just did a live stream. We just had Veterans Day with Stack Up. And of course, Able Gamers is doing fundraising as well. There's so many different causes. Um, but this is one that's particularly dear to our heart because of their deep involvement in supporting us as an organization. And so if you guys could just take a moment to go to the page and check it out, even if all you could contribute is a dollar a month, um, we would really appreciate you guys um, supporting them because they support us. And we love them and the, the great work that they do supporting mental health and really bringing mental health into the conversation where a lot of us struggle with mental health. One in four of us, in fact, are going to have some kind of mental health problem over the course of our lifetime, which is crazy to think about. And um, they didn't pay me to say this right now. I'm saying this <laughs> because I appreciate and love what they do. And we are supporting them as an organization here at What's Good, just like they support us. But me personally, I would love it if you guys have it in your bandwidth to help them as well, to help get those psychomancers out to AFK rooms across these conventions. That would be amazing. Um, just something for you to think about if it's, you know, with, if it's doable for you, if it's not, no worries at all. I just want to put it out into the universe. Um, On that note, they are looking for volunteers for their first conventions of the year. They're going to be at MAGFest January 4th through the 7th and PAX South January 12th through the 14th in San Antonio, Texas. So if you think you have some time, if you're local, check it out. Get in touch. Thanks for that, Brit. I got didn't you. even know that. Yeah. Excellent. You know how we got that, Andrea? Because we were how? their patrons. And they sent all oh. of their patrons a message. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, with that aside, it's time to talk about some video games. The reason we're here, ladies and gentlemen. So, I played some games. Steimer, you played some games. Brit, mm -hmm. you finished oh. a big game. I finished. So, let's start with you. Let's talk about let's talk about the ending. No spoilers of no. Divinity Original Sin 2. Oh my gosh. Okay, so first of all, congratulations to Larian Studios. They just announced that they've sold over a million copies. 
Yay, you're amazing. That's awesome. Hooray! Hooray! We support indie devs. Yes. Um, yeah, so about 120 hours, I finally finished Divinity Original Sin 2, and it is everything. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's everything I wanted from the sequel. They improved the combat. I love the expo- exploration. I love how in-depth the story is and the characters and the voice acting, the music. It's all so beautiful. And the icing on the cake is that it's co-op. It supports up to four-player co-op. So it's really hard to get such an in-depth RPG like that and have it play flawlessly with another person. So my husband, Jason, and I, we played the whole thing together. And it's just by far my game of the year it's just so much fun like we're gonna replay it again like i already can't wait to play it again when it comes to consoles there's been no official announcement or anything like that but yeah we're going through withdrawals so we're trying to find games to uh fill that void right now and it's been hard it's been real hard you know how it is when you finish a game that you're like well, and yeah you so get that weird those... like depression afterwards yeah yeah, yeah. i felt that before yeah when there's so few games that allow you to have that long of an experience and that deep of a customizable experience that feels so rewarding, that's co-op, right? There's just yes. not very many of those. No, and something I really love about the game as well is that you can customize your character. Like you were saying, Andrea, you can respec whenever you want. You can be anything you want to be. Like if you want to be a warrior one day, the next day a battle mage. Like you can just do whatever you want and adjust on the fly. And you have two characters. Well, you can have up to four characters in your party. So you can have two of each if you want to split. I could rave about it forever. But it's so good. And I cannot encourage people to check it out hard enough if you are a fan of co-op games. And I got a letter from a letter. How old are we? An email from someone. (laughs) I was Um, like, wow, someone wrote you a letter? No, I wish. I love handwritten letters. Anyway, um, saying that he wanted to get his wife into the game, but she had little to no experience with RPGs. And Divinity Original Sin 2 in its nature is kind of a difficult game, but they have a very, very easy mode. And I was like, and the beautiful thing about it is the combat is turn-based. So every turn you can like teach someone, okay, this is why this attack is good in this turn and why this one is not good. This is what you can do. So it's very easy to teach someone to play. So please check it out. Hurrah. Baby ass, baby mode. Oh yeah, nothing wrong I with needed that. To, I needed to come to console though. It will. There's no official announcement, but they've said like, just stay tuned. Uh, and what they did is they released Divinity Original Sin Enhanced Edition alongside console as well. So it'll it'll come. Just wait. Oh, that's I'm a patient person. I still have a bunch of other stuff to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, before I can dive into something of that length, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you've also been playing um, Comrades. Uh, Alexa, of course, played that uh, on our Patreon stream. We talked about it a little bit last week. What has your experience been with the game so far? So I'm about seven hours into Comrades, and I would say the first two were really sweet in the sense that you feel like you're really because like there's this tenure span in the game and so this takes place during that and it starts out you wake up you're a glaive and it's kind of like okay you're going to unlock these things by accruing kilowatts by attacking enemies and you have to bring light all to the world and every time you unlock something you get like a little animation and then a new option but that wears out so quickly and now it's turned into such a grind fest now i'm playing with ai only and the problem is is i'm level nine and the all the areas and the battles I'm unlocking are levels like 13 and above, and those mm-hmm. are just near and ex- I, they're impossible to defeat. And the the scaling, the difficulty scaling is just off. And the loading times, which I was talking about in the first segment, are what's making this really hard because I have maybe like five different battles I can play over and over again to accrue experience points and accrue kilowatts so I can unlock the lights of the world. Um, 
the problem though is the the loading times in between. So on average, the loading times are a minute thirty to two minutes and thirty seconds. Which, when you're replaying the same mission over and over again, gets really repetitive really fast. And it's a little unfortunate. And so I unlocked my first character, Gladdy, but he's a level 15, and I'm supposed to fight him, and he's one of the main characters of Final Fantasy 15. But I can't even get near him because he kicks my butt. And so, like, getting to interact with him seems like it's another six hours away. And, yeah, it's just one of those things. So I'm happy to hear that they're fixing the loading times. Um, but what I have found is that it's a perfect game to play while you're doing something else. So in one of our rooms in the house, we have two treadmills and two TVs. So Jason's like watching some like Rome documentary, which is kind of like IRL Game of Thrones. And I'm playing Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy 15 Comrades. So I'm watching him watch like, I'm watching the series while I'm mindlessly like grinding in Final Fantasy 15 Comrades. If that, so yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I just, I, I'm at the, I don't know. I don't want to say the age. I'm at the mindset, I guess, where like <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. No, like, I don't. I don't, don't want. It's not grind. enjoyable. I don't. <laughs> well, it, it's not. No, about the, like, it, I know. I know. I know. I know. I, I'm sorry. I'm just being a 12 year old. But yes. Yes. Sure. Yes. Sure. Yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a little. A little bit is fine, but when it's super out of whack like that, oh, yeah. and you just feel like that's all you have to do, like I just don't think it's well balanced. Yeah, it's right now it's a perfect treadmill game because it's just mindless and I can just like walk and watch something and grind at the same time. But I was about to like rage quit and like throw this game away because the grinding was so bad and the difficulty scales were so off. But then I started getting into the show he was watching. I'm like, okay, I can handle it. But as of right now, with the load times, it's just I would say stay away until they fix it with the patch that's coming on the 12th of December. Okay, that's good to know. Um, Do you think... I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Yes, please. If they added in time savers or microtransactions to speed up the process, that you would be interested in this at all. And I bring this up because I've been playing some more Assassin's Creed and they have time saver packs of um, things that you can buy. Things like animal skins for customization or not for customization, excuse me, for uh, crafting and things like that. You can buy resources and then the crafting helps get you, uh, upgrades for like your hidden blade or like your range damage or your health, for example. If stuff like that was built into the game, would you like it more? Would you be interested? 100%. I'm happy you brought this up because as I was playing it yesterday, I was thinking to myself, this game would be perfect for microtransactions if it's going to remain the way it is. I mean, some people don't. No. I, I totally <laughs> what are you doing? No, listen. So I posted a question on Twitter about this. I'm like, is everyone else experiencing this grind? It starts out really sweet and then it gets tedious and everyone's like, not everyone. 90% of the people were like, yeah, it's a bit grindy, but I'm still enjoying it. I'm like, okay, so clearly I'm just not a patient person or something, but I would happily pay money to beef me up to level 15 so I can access all of those uh, fights and I can start to meet the characters that I are so that I'm so familiar with that are from the main game. It's except you can do it without microtransactions. It's possible. It's a little bit grindy. A lot grindy. But yeah. yeah, but that's just sort of like the, and granted, I have not played this part yet. I'm basing this off of things I have read on the internet. Um, the end of Shadow of War, where like, yeah, you can get there. It's going to take you a long time, but here's this shiny thing. That, and you're like, well, why don't you just balance your game properly? No. Well, 
I think that there's a little bit of a difference between those two examples. The first one being that's the main campaign of a story-based single-player driven game. True. And this is DLC that's part of a whole season pass. So technically, if you think about it, could you pay, what, $25 for the season pass for Final Fantasy 15? And it includes Comrades plus the three episodes. So if plus you split the three the- more that are coming out, maybe. I don't oh, know. I, I don't know if that's going to be included. I think that's going to be mentioned. A different yeah. season pass? Season pass yeah, part I would two? Guess that, I would guess that they're going to charge extra for that. But so let's say that those are, you know, five and change per per game or whatever, like $7 or whatever it is uh, per game or per DLC pack. Sure. That's, that's a pretty cheap price for entry for something that to me as Britt mentioned kind of seems ripe for microtransactions because if you're if the barrier is so low to play that and you want to just you know kind of fast track yourself to the end game of the DLC I mean it seems like it would be a kind of a, a good spot to put it well, and this is this is the tough part about microtransactions right is that yeah sometimes they fit and they make sense sometimes they don't fit and they don't make sense i feel like in the case of shadow of war i have not gotten to the end of that game cuz i've already hit the grind wall and i'm or- i'm only in like act 2 <laughs> you know yeah. and i did have to se- i did have to set the game down to play a bunch of other stuff uh th- this this game this really busy holiday season but i plan to go back but it's already super grindy and i i don't even know if i'm halfway through the story missions yet and i haven't even looked really at the microtransactions about buying orc followers and um getting like the random rolls and on all that stuff but I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a good way that they could implement this. And I don't think it'll be super bad with Final Fantasy 15 as soon as they fix those damn loading times. Because I think but that's like, part what, of it. What's the end game? That's a very good question, Simer. I don't know. I, at first, I was playing it because I'm like, this is fun and it unravels story between this 10-year period. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think, the, I think the point is to restore light to all of the land. Which is great, but along the way, you get to meet characters and, um, and see recurring characters, uh, change your avatar's clothing, which apparently is a big draw for people out of does nothing for me. But, um, they did say, I like playing dress up. They did say during the, uh, uh, stream today that they do have more DLC planned and they're planning to continue to support this into next year, obviously. Probably will into next year and beyond. So I think there's hope for it. It's a little buggy. I've had some weird bugs happen where characters appeared that I hadn't rescued yet, but I think there's potential, especially playing with friends. So you think, so is comrades more, even after watching Alexa play, I couldn't necessarily answer this question. Um, comrades more story driven versus something like a GTA online where you can kind of just like mess around and kill people and like hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The only multiplayer aspect of comrades is when you're doing the raids in my, what I've seen so far. Other than that, like your central hub where you go talk to the characters are all single player missions and all sing- it's all single player stuff. So, okay. So there will be an end to comrades. Basically. I'm assuming. I don't even know if we know that information. They marketed this game very strange. Like it's not really a multiplayer expansion. They the way I thought it was going to be was you get to roam around all of the world with all of your friends and kill time and just explore but it's nothing like that right now mm. so who knows well i guess we'll see yes we one will. day we will but only if you can pay to level yourself up so you could get there I th- I think- otherwise you gotta grind <laughs> yeah Once dad the, bumping the loading screens, yeah. nothing wrong <laughs> 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 we- well maybe not like that i don't know <laughs> 
no wonder all those years in the clubs <laughs> Brett, i love you you're the best <laughs> uh steimer yeah. you completed two things no you completed no, one no. thing you started another thing so Correct. you finally finished wolfenstein 2 the new colossus what do you think did I really liked the story. I really liked the characters. I thought it was well done. I will say that I'm not going to spoil anything, but like the twist that happens, uh, I saw coming almost immediately. Like, like I saw coming like way earlier. So uh, I don't, which I assume most other people would as well. That I thought it was like very much hinted at. Um, but so like I, I wasn't necessarily surprised by any of the story elements but I really thought they were well done. Like they were well acted. They were well written. Um, and I just really liked that cast and crew. So for me, that was really enjoyable. There was a key, a couple things that like were sort of irritating to me. And that was, I chose the um, upgrade. That was the legs. Yeah. Like the stilt walker legs. They were awful. I hated them. Like I wish I could have tried them before picking because it really just tells you what they do and it yeah. doesn't give so you any I, sort of i watched john play through the back half of this game so there's a pivotal plot moment that's very jarring when you like watch it and go through it and um at the end of this plot moment um you change like bj changes and gets has this upgrade and you, what they don't explain to you is kind of what all of these things do. And I knew what they did because I got the chance to play with all three of them at a preview event. Alexa Ray and I spoke about this about a month and a half ago about these three special abilities that BJ was going to get in the back half of the game. And what's crazy to me is that they just kind of gloss over it. They don't really explain to you very well in this in this selection screen. It's like option one, option two, option three. If you don't pick the stilt walker legs like uh, Simer did, you can pick this shield armor that essentially turns you into a juggernaut. So you can like you can charge through walls, and if you charge heavy enemies, you'll like knock their armor off. And then there's an ability to kind of squish yourself really small to get into small holes in the wall so you can stealth your way through certain sections of the level, which stealthing in Wolfenstein is kind of a joke. So I don't know why you would ever do that. Um, I did it a little bit. I would always, I always start every level stealth. I try you to start that way. And then yes, all it and takes then, is and then it one all guy <laughs> to see you. And then the broadcast alarm is off. And then, oh, and then you are just fine. Do you guys, so when I, whenever that happens, I start running around like a chicken with my head cut off, just trying to find the fucking the officer to kill them. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm like, where are you? You should be close. Okay, the, the numbers get smaller. Are you upstairs or downstairs? Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> they hide those suckers too. Oh yeah. Yeah, they really do. But, um, um yeah, go ahead, so, please. Tell, so, tell so, us why you hated these still walker legs so much. I hated them so much, and I regretted my decision <laughs> so much, because they were just really janky. Like, you would set them off, and then I would try, and, like, I was stuck in the intro. So, after you select one of them, there's a little mission, quote-unquote, it's not really, it's, like, on the ship. You go through the training grounds, basically, with your new power. I was stuck there for such a long time because I was like, how do I work these fucking legs? And I, I'm trying to just like normally get over these humps that you should be able to get over. I just felt like the buttons weren't like as responsive as I wanted them to be. I don't know. I was really struggling with them. And I was like, as soon as I was going through that, I was like, I made a mistake. 
Uh, Simon, I mean, what difficulty I'm, did you play on? I played on baby ass baby mode. Okay, I'm also playing on baby ass baby mode. I'm getting <laughs> rocked. I suck oh, really? at the- no, I found it pretty fine. Oh, no, like- girl. I suck at shooters to begin with, and I found that there's so many enemies, so many Nazis uh, mm. in the level. So, like, I set off the alarm, and I feel like they swarm out like ants to, like, a fresh piece of like, fresh meat or some shit. Like, they're everywhere, and it's intense. And I'm shooting. I'm running out of ammo. I'm trying to duck, but I'm not. I'm just running into more of them. It's not an easy game. Yeah, I would maybe recommend like the shield thing for you then, so okay. you can at least ram into them, <laughs> take yeah. them out with you. Oh, I'm so bad. Uh, I think that like from my playtime, having having the luxury of being able to try all three um, during this uh, event, this press event that I was at, I really liked the legs when I tried them out. But after playing more of the game, the shield armor that you can, you know, charge things with definitely seems like the better of the three options. Um, the thing about the stilt legs that I, I don't know if you ended up trying at all. And the thing that I found found about them when the demo that I played was that it, when you're in combat, you can stilt leg up, like double jump and just be up high and then shoot down at everybody below you. And they can't melee you because you're in the air. Ooh. I never got meleeed that much. Um, so I um I I did do that a couple of times, but like ultimately I just feel like that was a mismatch for me and my playstyle, and I just kind of messed up that way. Um, which was sad because like I really I was like excited to get to that moment because you and Alexa had talked about it, and I I should have done the shrinking one for me for my playstyle. I should have yeah. done the shrinking um, because I do try to stealth as much as I can and then just go all out when somebody notices me, but. Um, <laughs> And then the other thing, I'm trying to remember, oh, I just felt like some levels were a little bit confusing, and I was like, where do I, how do I get, where am I going? The map sucks. I'm just going to say it. That game is beautiful, and that map is terrible. Okay, good. It's not just me either, because I get okay, lost. No, okay, good. Yeah, I was sucks. like, I feel like I'm good. And I felt it got worse as, like, the game got on. Like, the last the level was like, yeah, the level design, the pathing specifically, was very difficult to follow in specific levels. And it's frustrating because you get to a game like that where the level design is so well done from an artistic direction standpoint that they really made it feel like you were in like 1960s Nazi America from an art perspective. But then you get it and you're walking through and like the, the beacons about where you're supposed to end up are impossible to tell what level they're on, which doors you're supposed to go through. And listen, Wolfenstein is not an open world exploration game. It's not like if you go around this corner, you're going to find some neat hidden collectible i mean there's a couple of those sprinkled throughout the world but that's not what this game is and that was a frustrating part about the game for sure so you are definitely not alone i know with like (laughs) most games like this too there's usually like a yellow flag that will be blowing in the wind and you're like that's where i gotta go but like there's none of that (laughs) so okay it's good to know figure it out (laughs) i was in manhattan the the manhattan level earlier this morning and and i was super duper lost i saw the little beacon where i was supposed to go but even that's hard to spot sometimes so i kept running in circles but i love it so far it's really great the characters are fantastic and the story i didn't play the first any this is my first wolfenstein game so it's different and i really like that about it the characters are so well done and they're hilarious the way they banter i'm like literally laughing out loud to myself while i'm playing this game and jason's looking at me like i'm a crazy person but that's fine i really liked the 
the quiet moments that they have on the ship. Like I like like you go through the levels and it's really intense and you're like, Oh, there's yes. people everywhere and everything's murder and then you go onto the ship and it's like, Okay, now you decompress. Can decompress and you yeah. can have a moment and there's something funny happening over there or these people are actually having a really interesting conversation and you know you can kind of just walk around and enjoy um the the cast a little bit more did you ladies so. see the scene with set and sigrun when she's singing sort of the beginning of the game i don't remember okay never mind it, it was it was one of the funniest things I've seen in a game in a long time. But if you haven't seen it, I remember laughing a lot at set. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he and Seagram have really stuff. good chemistry. Anyway, yeah, the game is is good. I mean, I feel like we've talked about that a lot on this show. Um, again, like one of the best first person shooter single player narrative experiences ever really um machine games has really done a fantastic job of of making making that game uh, really well and just the the level of polish the writing the voice acting um there are obviously are some issues with the game like some minor things but overall like it's a really really excellent game um i don't score games but if i did i'd score it high it's quite high. <laughs> it'd, get, it'd be up there somewhere. It'd, it'd be up there, indeed. Um, so um, I have decided. So yes, I finally started Super Mario Odyssey. Um, I've been playing that game, been collecting my power moons, um, and been having a fun time. I love the whimsy of it. I love how it harkens back to moves that I learned in Super Mario sixty four. Like the moves are almost identical, and I love that. And he, but obviously, he's got some new stuff as well with Cappy. Um, after starting it, after hearing Alexa's gigantic rant about how Mario's dead, um, it was like I, I, the whole time I was I was watching it, going, you know, she might be onto something. Here. Oh no! no. <laughs> Don't buy into the crazy. That was kind of in the back of my mind, but um, I I accident not accidentally I. So I got the the Mario and Peach wedding amobies, amobies, amiibos, <laughs> amobies. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Sorry, I don't I don't know what's going on with me. Um, and so I tapped the the Princess Peach one to the controller, not realizing it was going to put Mario in a wedding dress on screen. <laughs> so I knew that, and I actually had meant to use your amiibo when I was at your house, and I forgot, and I want because I wanted to unlock the outfit. That's amazing. I'll see yeah, you the next so time I'm there. I didn't want him in Peach's wedding dress for like his I do. first first levels. Like I mean, I'm it's it's a look. It's a, it's it's a whole funny. thing. Him running around in the dress. Um, <laughs> say yes to the dress. He did. <laughs> oh, um, but it's it's really cute. I still have. I have to look up like what the functionality of all the uh, amiibo are. I have a couple other amiibo here on set in studio that are in their plastic that I kind of want to take them out to play with them. Um, but um, I've been having fun with that. I I will say, and I knew that this was going to be the case. I'm not drawn to continuing to play that game. I'm going to sit down and finish it because it's, you know, fun. And I really like how they are playing with dimension in that game. How you'll go into areas and it'll turn into classic 2D Mario. And you'll pop out and it's 3D Mario again. And the Cappy mechanic is really interesting and intriguing so far how they're using that uh, throughout the worlds. And the uniqueness of the art style of each of the individual areas. Obviously, these are things we've all talked about and everyone has said so far about this game. But... 
There's just something about it that feels so familiar that I'm kind of not as intrigued to keep playing because I'm like, I've played this before. And I think that, you know, potentially levels later on in the game will help expand that out and maybe do a little bit more innovating. But it just feels very much like another 3D Mario, excellently executed. The level of polish is clear. Nintendo really puts out well-polished games that are beautifully made. But that being said... Bowser took Peach again. You have to save her. She said the same Mario, Mario at the very beginning that she says like in every single game. And I'm kind of like, I the love same these voice characters. Recording? I really do. I tweeted about how much I love Mario as a franchise um, during Thanksgiving week as part of my dev appreciation set of tweets and how I have Mario art all over my house. And I've got a Yoshi hanging in the studio and a, and a, a cat Peach. And like, I love these characters. But I don't know if it's maybe time for me to say I've had my time with them. I yeah, they aren't you. growing with you. I would right? say it's just like they're just kind of staying the same, which is fine. And like mm-hmm. I understand why they haven't necessarily changed. But um, yeah, and I also agree with you, Andrea, on like the point of it's not something you're drawn to play. Like to me, that game. I'm not. I don't want to say I'm saving it, but like I'll play that when I travel. Yeah, but that's that's when I'm going to play that game. It's not something that I'm going to be like, I just got home from work and I really want to play Super Mario Odyssey. <laughs> no, no, it's funny you say that because I just picked up Mario Odyssey, was it last night or two nights ago, for the first time in weeks. And I collected maybe like 15 moons and then I set it down. I'm like, okay, I'm done for now. And I'm going to this really cute city in Washington called Leavenworth next week and that's the game i'm gonna bring with me because there's something cathartic about a mario game while you're kind of on the road in a little christmas village but when i'm home i'm much more drawn to games like wolfenstein or divinity or you know even shadow of war is on my priority list i haven't even picked that up yet mario it's like you said excellently done polished out the butt fantastic but yeah polished out the butt it's just kind of the game like pick up and play for me i'm i'm not drawn to it to to like play and get all the moons asap and i don't want to like rush to finish it i'm not like super excited to play it for five hours at a time um not to say it's a bad game because it's not but i think i'm more drawn to nowadays the mario rpg titles that come out um it's just something different and the stories are usually a little varied there's more focus on mario characters in that sense it is not just like go find them thing and save the princess yeah, no, I I definitely hear you there, and um, I I think that's how I also felt about Zelda too. It's just like it's a fun game to play when I'm on the road, and I can pick it up and do a couple of shrines and, and do a couple side quests, and then kind of put it down for a while. Um, and I really wanted to be more enraptured by it, and I think I just have gotten to a point where I'm like, you know what? I know these characters. I know these stories. I know these mechanics. And while they are, like I said, again, the execution is extreme. Like they've done a fantastic job making and building this game. I think I'm just at the point where I'm like, cool, I've had this. This is great. I will play this, you know, when I have time to, but there's nothing to me drawing it. So instead, (laughs) I went back to the games that I was sucked into for so many months and (laughs) and was able to turn away from. Because I was like, you know what I need in my life? I need to go back to Paragon. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. So 
Okay. First impression coming back after two major updates. Right. The graphics look gorgeous. They've completely overhauled the way that Agora looks from the grass to the tower design to some of the characters look, look different. Not like dramatically different, but like their facial animations and everything like looks different. It looks beautiful. The gameplay is frustrating so much so that I think I have to like take a major step back and go, I don't know if I can keep playing this game. No. And that, ooh, and that bums me the fuck out. It really bums me out because I've put so many hours, hundreds upon hundreds of hours into this game. And it's not the game that I left. It's different. It's, you know, some would argue that it's a better game, but they've changed the meta so many times in the last three months that even the players that I, the, the, the crew that I play with on a regular basis that I jumped into a match with, uh, like three or four matches with actually last night, they were like, Oh my gosh, you're back online. Let's play. And so I played and I was like having to ask them all these questions. And they were like, honestly, it's a learning experience for us as every day we go along every week, they change something. I'm like, how is that a thing that people are like, are interested in? Ugh. How can you ever achieve understanding of the mechanics that they're constantly changing the meta? Like I get that there has to be iteration in order to get to a point where it feels balanced, it feels fun, it feels rewarding, but still feels challenging. And I get from a game design perspective, that's hard. There's a reason why there's only a handful of MOBAs that are popular because MOBAs are really hard to make and they're super complicated and they have a lot of systems going on and it takes thousands of hours to really become a master. If you talk to Dota 2 players or even League of Legends players, some people that I know have been literally playing for 2,000 plus hours into this one game and they still have systems that they don't understand and characters and items that they don't understand and high level play. And that gives, you know, a, a much bigger appreciation for people who compete on a professional level in esports arenas and tournaments and things like that. But I should be able to put 500 hours into a game and have a solid grasp of what the mechanics are. And if you're going to change it, to the point where I have to spend another maybe 50 to 100 hours minimum relearning everything. I don't know if I got time for that. That sounds like a hard nope to me. It sounds like you know? something a very beautiful person went in for plastic surgery and then went in again for plastic surgery and went in again and is now a shell of their <laughs> former self. Oh, no. That's horrible. From a physical standpoint. From a physical standpoint. But my, my major question <laughs> is I understand that iteration is important. You have to do things to keep the kids entertained. However, what do you think prompted them to make such drastic changes? Well, they knew that the player base was dropping off, right? Like there were not as many people playing the game and that they wanted to stay competitive, particularly in the Asian markets, which they were going to be launching. Um, Korea in particular was one of the big markets I think that they're targeting, or if they're not, why wouldn't they be targeting? Because that's where MOBAs are really big right now. Um, and Tencent is a majority stakeholder in Epic Games. And so, of course, China has got to be on the radar for them as well. So what that means is that they need to tailor the game for those markets. They need to make it more competitive. They need to make it um, more engaging because they just weren't seeing enough growth in player base in order to 
kind of keep going as is, right? They needed something needed to change. So they've made these substantial changes, but it feels like it's more of an action third person hero game than it does feel like a MOBA. Cause it feels like a lot of the objectives uh, that you see in MOBAs about clearing minion waves, capturing towers, taking jungle camps, things that, you know, are in high level play are very specific feel like they've kind of been dumbed down a little. And like it, from the sense specifically when I was playing last night, it felt like in particular the towers were just like, were just second thought. Like they were super easy to dominate. You can tower dive and um, it doesn't really matter. You don't even need to be a tank in order to tower dive because like the tower power is just not very strong. And so like the, the penalty for going into the towers to attack other heroes just isn't there, just doesn't exist. But um, that's super weird. Yeah. I know. That's what I thought too. Like we had, we were playing a couple of matches last night and there was one match we just got steamrolled and they came up to the inhibitor, which are supposed to be like the super strong towers that protect your core. And the core is like ultimately what you have to destroy in order to win the match. And the core went down in less than three seconds. And or not the core, the, uh, the inhibitor. inhibitor. And I was like, and I was like, how is that possible? Even with a full team of five steamrolling and in him, unless it's super late game and everybody's like using their alts on the minions or is all attacking at once, the tower shouldn't drop that fast because it makes the game. Sure, it makes the game quicker, but it makes the objectives like kind of worthless if you can just snap your fingers and bam you've accomplished the objective it's like it takes it takes away the fun of 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 the objective the defensive part of the game and instead it just becomes like a how many heroes can i kill and then once you are dead in late game it takes so long to respawn back in that you have no shot at winning and so it doesn't feel fun and if you're not having fun playing the game, then why are you playing the game? Exactly. You know, and like I, they're, they're previously back in, even in early monolith days and really legacy days on the original map when it was still like in early access instead of open beta, if I felt like I was putting a lot of time in, but even if I lost, I understood why we lost. It, it was like, we didn't execute here. We didn't rotate here. They had an extra hero in this lane and we should have switched up our team comp. Like you could see where you screwed up. And now it doesn't feel that way. It feels like there are some heroes that are completely overpowered. There are some cards in the new card and gen system that are completely overpowered. The fighters don't scale. Uh, one of the girls that I play with had mentioned that it feels like you don't ever have to sacrifice power for tankiness. And so if you have a hero that continually builds, you can spec all of your cards for health and then you don't sacrifice power. You just become an impossible, a pos- impossible tank to kill. And if there's like a whole section of like a whole third of all of the heroes that are like that, it's like, well, that's what are we awful. doing here? Yeah, that's, I so would like the, ba- the balance is off. It's, it, yeah. it's off. It's still off. People that have played a while said it's the best now than it's been in the past couple of months. But I'm wow. like, I don't know, guys. That's bad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why are you still playing it if this is the best it's been? Not for you, <laughs> but like those other specific, people. Because there's specific friends of mine who play this game who I only get to talk to if I play this game. I didn't mean you. I meant them. Like, why are they still playing? 
I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Find another game. <laughs> Make them play Destiny with you. I was going to say, let me guess. Your next game was Destiny 2. Yes. So, um, clearly I've been excited about Destiny 2. I've mentioned on the podcast before, I'm ready. What's good guardians to get back in? I got my clan engram this week. I'm ready to come back full force for Curse of Osiris, the new expansion. I had to put it down mostly because like, there was a lot of other stuff to play, but also like it was getting repetitive. It was becoming destiny again. Um, and while I do think that they've done an excellent job of adding in enough extra content to really make the grind better this time around, it still feels like a grind three months in. And that's not surprising because, you know, I played a lot of destiny uh, when it first came out, uh, destiny two, excuse me. And so I was like, okay, I want to make sure my character's ready and that I am don't am not rusty and that I've got the exotics I need and maybe I'll start my alt character and really just loving that game and really oh, find yeah. it getting the hooks like back in me about what I love and um how the guns are so good and I got back into Iron Banner and I had some really good Iron Banner matches um where my um, KDD was higher than two, which never happens for me. That's very (laughs) impressive. As someone who's, yeah, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. There's probably some, you know, really fantastic FPS players out there listening to the show, but, um, I love that I can play as a, as a casual FPS fan, somebody who plays a lot of shooters and I can jump in and because of the time I've spent leveling my gear and how I've gotten comfortable with certain guns in the game that I can get into a, a competitive event like Iron Banner and still feel like I'm competing and not feel like I'm being crushed. Like in when I was playing Call of Duty World War Two in multiplayer, I just like it just wasn't fun because I just kept dying constantly. And, and like at least in Destiny, like if I die like I'm right back in the game and at least like I it's not constant death. Like there are bad matches and good matches <laughs> and it feels rewarding enough without me having to be an expert level player. And now that's reserved of course for the the trials of the nine, which I I don't do. <laughs> but um <laughs> I'm glad that that there's a PvP in uh, an FPS game that I actually enjoy because this is the first time in my life I've played Halo, I've played Call of Duty, I've played Battlefield, like I've played them all, right? Like this is the first game, Destiny was the first game where I really actually wanted to play PvP and that's a feat. Yeah, I actually had a good time when I played with you in multiplayer, more so than I thought I would and there was one match where my Katie was also higher than two and I was like and I think I was slightly drunk and I was like I'm king of the world like I'm so good at this game (laughs) and um and I was like I'm a baller this is great and then I think the next match I got rolled but it was fine (laughs) yeah it's always the way it is that's still a glory moment Samer hold on to that oh totally I was trying to grab a picture of it and then it like switched as soon as I was like damn it missed it so I don't even remember what it was but it was it was real good um, you talked about Call of Duty for a second, Andrew, and I forgot that I didn't get to tell you guys about, I played Call of Duty World War II last week, but I just, we talked too much about other things. And all I really want to do is read you my text messages that I sent to Brittany. Oh, yeah. Please, and, can you? And also, I would like to point out that I've now sent Brittany one, two, three, four, five, six, six messages, and she never responds to me. What? 
Oh no! I I feel like I text Brittany all the time, and I just am used to silence at this point. Oh, you have. I am looking at these right now. No, do not take that personally. I was telling Samer over Thanksgiving break. I essentially had my phone in airplane mode, like. But this goes beyond that. I apologize. I'm just really yeah. bad at my phone. After a certain time, I like put my phone away, and I'm like, "Sorry, everyone. I'm on email. I'm on Facebook, but I can't have my phone. My phone is like a beacon of work. It's like." Not for what's it's good a, games. It's a beacon of me. I, I love what's good I'm games. blowing up your phone. You're, I'm you're sorry. Like, I have important gifts to send you, okay? <laughs> you must look Come at on. my gifts. Look at my cool gifts. I need to get like a separate phone for what's good games. Like, can, that's, can, that'll can be my I happy have, phone. Can you have a Steimer phone? Like a Steimer signal? Where it's like, <laughs> Steimer wants to talk to you. <laughs> yes, totally. For you, anything, Steimer. Oh, thanks. So anyways, so here's, here's what I... And there's only a few, but... My first question was, of course, how long is this game? How long is Call of Duty? Although I wrote Call If Duty. You did. Typo. Um, why is everyone in this game hot? <laughs> they are. All of the soldiers. Even the asshole It's all those Hollywood actors. I know. Uh, then the main narrator talks like Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. And then my last thought was, okay, this first mission is just annoying. <laughs> I started playing it on normal which is what mm-hmm. i usually do for mm-hmm. pretty much every game and i just got wrecked like multiple times i mean i was i think they call it prone or whatever like i was on the ground fucking crawling oh yeah that is what they for call like, it prone yes for the for like the long and i'm like crawling behind things i'm doing whatever i think i can to avoid machine gun fire yet somehow these fuckers up on the tower have eagle eyes and are only firing at me. And there's yeah. two of them. And it's just like, like two directions of machine gun fire on my ass. Welcome and, to being a video game protagonist. And I was like, what the? There's like 300 dudes in the field here with me. Can you just maybe not target me this hard? Normandy? The first mission is the Beach of Normandy. No, that, that was a tricky mission. And for me, I play still every shooter, baby ass, baby mode. So I was on easy and my dad was over and he was watching me play. And even he like tried because I had the same issue, Sam, where I felt like no matter where I went, I was getting uh, shot in the low. I start, restarted that level probably a dozen times. I did but, too. And then eventually I finally bumped it down to baby ass, baby mode. And then that's when I could get through it. Like I got well, through it the first time on baby ass, baby mode, but like on normal. I was horrified. I was like, what is happening? Is How did they kill me? Because I feel like that was probably the most difficult mission in the entire game. <laughs> it really was awful. And like, um, somebody else uh, brought this up and I was like, oh, that's a good point. I think the reason why it was really hard for me as well, or for anybody who's getting into the game is because health works so much differently in this Call of Duty than it does in other ones. And this one, you have to have, you have to have a healing pack and you have to heal yourself. Like the traditional. Um, Instead of you just stand and not get hit by a machine gun fire and then your health will go up. So I think for a few rounds, it took me um, a minute to even realize that that was happening. Because I'm like, okay, I've been out of, you know, they haven't been hitting me for a while. I'm probably fine now. Nope. But it's only have so like red. 20 it's health. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, at <laughs> yep. first I was like, what is going on? And then I realized, oh, your health doesn't go back up when you're out of fire. Nope. Like it normally does. Um, but I do think that the characters are interesting. I find it mighty convenient that your entire squad makes it off the beaches of Normandy. Mm. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but other mighty than that, convenient. <laughs> mighty convenient indeed. They all had plot armor on that day. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that term. That's wonderful. That is yeah. a good term. 
but um but yeah so i'm i've just barely scratched i've like played a few hours of it but i'm it's good I'm it's real it. good oh, so many good games i love it love it spoiled for choice indeed mm-hmm. well that's probably gonna wrap up our hands-on segment for this week we of course will be back next week with more impressions for you of course you're always welcome to write us with what games you're playing if there's something that you think that we should try or that we haven't talked about that you would like to hear more about you can email us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. You can message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash whatsgoodgames. You can tweet to us at whatsgood underscore games. Let us know what you guys have been playing and uh, what you think about what we've been playing. Uh, for now, we're going to take another quick break before we get into our last segment of the show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. side because we uh, have another thing we have to do immediately after recording this tonight. So thank you for your uh, uh, patience and appreciation. So question, we got a reader mail, which of course, as we've mentioned previously on the show, you can email us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. We'll throw your question into our reader mailbag. We'll dig through it every once in a while and be like, hmm, this one looks cool. And this week, that question is from William Norton. He writes, First of all, I discovered your podcast just a week ago, and I've listened to all of them since. Wow, that's a lot of hours of listening because we are on episode 29 this week. Ooh, ooh. Oh, my God. We're almost 30. Uh, I know. We just turned 21 not that long ago. I was ago. just thinking oh, so fast. <laughs> the fastest aging process ever. <laughs> the novelty of drinking has worn off. I know, right? Now we're he old ate- and disgruntled. <laughs> we're not that old. Come on. I know. I know. I know. He continues. Since then, it's something... Nice to listen to while I'm at work. But aside from all that, I am a very devoted gamer and love video games collecting all that jazz. Just six months ago, oh, excuse me, I skipped a line. Love listening while I'm at work. But aside from that, I am a very devoted gamer and love video games collecting all that jazz. Six months ago, I got married to a wonderful woman who was kind of new to video games. Aside from Minecraft and Roblox and beating me on Injustice, I want her to get into other games, just Tomb Raider, Horizon Zero Dawn, and more involved titles like so. My question to you all is, what was it that got you into video games the way you are today, and do you think that affects the way you play these such titles? Aside from that, love the show. You guys rock. Keep doing what you're doing and have a wonderful rest of the week, month, year, however you want to see Wait, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. With much appreciation. Uh, Um, P.S. Your podcast is what's making me want to buy a Switch. William, I want. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I got interrupted. William is the guy I was talking about that I recommended Divinity Original Sin to, uh, his wife. That's the guy who sent the email. Gotcha. I did not put two and two together. Hello, William. Ah, there you go. I am. Just liking that. My only thing, like, I want to answer his question with another question, (laughs) which is, why like do you want to get her involved in other games if so what's the what's the motivation there like is it that you just think she'll appreciate the story is it that you like like 
or has she expressed an interest but has been more, like intimidated by them i just think it's sort of i'm hoping that it's of the mind that she is interested but intimidated and not that he's like i want you to play this play this thing yeah that's the um, feeling i have got from speaking with william about divinity original sin too i mean for example jason really wants to get into rpgs but he doesn't have the patience for turn-based combat unless he and i are playing together well there aren't that many cooperative games so i'm i struggle to find like okay how could i possibly get you into this mystic lore without boring you to death with gameplay i think that's kind of where he's coming from gotcha yeah that's what it sounds like to me as well and there are certainly games that over the course of my career and over my hobby as a gamer that i have just not played because i just have no interest in them and um take for example the genre of first-person shooters. I didn't start playing first-person shooters until Halo Reach. Halo Reach was the first first-person shooter that I played start to finish. And wow. that was, was a Halo really 3. defining... That was a Xbox 360. It yeah. was, I believe, 2010? Let me look it up really quick. Wait, no, that's a lie, because I played Wolfenstein as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> See, I never played Wolfenstein. Yeah, 2010 is when it, it when it launched. And I never played first-person shooter games before because I had so... Well, okay, technically I played GoldenEye. <laughs> I played like Turok. <laughs> hey, that counts. Like on N64. You mean but like I mean, this like, semi-current generation? Right. I mean, I never was into FPS games where I like wanted to play them or wanted to buy them or wanted to be in that competitive, that side of the game. I've obviously gone back and played older games. Um, the Halo franchise at large, you know, for the Master Chief collection and played a bunch of other FPS games that are, you know, kind of considered legacy games. The game that really kind of turned the tides for me for FPS was Bioshock. Going back and playing that game um, because I just heard so much about it. And I was very much like a platform puzzle gamer. Arcade racing games were my thing. Um, really loved um, action adventure. I was really big into the Assassin's Creed franchise back then. And FPS just never really kind of struck a chord because it's challenging. It's one of the more challenging genres of gameplay from a mechanics standpoint. The dual sticks, the moving and looking with the individual sticks is something that takes a lot of practice. And that's why... It's sometimes very difficult if you have somebody in your life who is not a gamer and you want them to be a gamer so you can game together. That is the biggest hurdle in getting them over the hump into wanting to play the game and wanting to have that experience. She's never really going to appreciate the amazing narrative and the art and the characters in a game like Horizon Zero Dawn. If she's constantly frustrated because she's spinning and staring at the sky or spinning and staring at the ground. Yep. Right. And that's what, that's what happens when you have to learn how to play a first person game or even a third person game. You can still have those challenges. Basically any game where you have to control the camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like exactly. it, it takes a lot yeah. of effort getting used to. And that's, um, so I was a primarily PC gamer for most of my life. So I didn't have a whole lot of issues with camera really. Like you just like, this is the ground, right? The, <laughs> the desk is the ground. It's fine. Um, and then when I started playing console, when I got my job at Edelman and I was working on the Xbox 360 accounts, I was like, okay, well I need to like 
get back into this because during college I kind of went quiet. I was studying, obviously, and like trying to do my parents proud. <laughs> um, and so I picked up, and this is the thing I still recommend, and you can still play this on the Xbox One, Viva Pinata. And I talk about this game all of the time, but for a very good reason. It is a fantastic teaching game for somebody who doesn't know how to control the camera and use movement at the same time. Because that's exactly what you're doing. It's a first-person game, technically. But the gameplay is super low-key in that, like, nothing's going to run out and kill you. Like, you're not being chased. There's, there's it's low stakes. You're just planting some plants. You're going to farm some piñatas. You're going to maybe make some babies. Like, it's all chill here, right? Um, So that's something that I started playing, and that's how I personally learned how to use the the sticks on the controller. And then I, you know, kind of graduated on. I, I definitely played Bioshock, although I was reluctant to play it at first because I thought it was going to be too scary. It's a it's a oh, semi scary yeah. game. That happens and, to me um, But I'm I'm glad that I pushed through that and and played it anyway because it was fantastic. Oh, the first time I played Bioshock, I got freaked out. I did. I made it past the first like five minutes. I think it's the first. Um, God, what are they called? The bad guys in Bioshock. Splicers. Splicers. And that scared me enough that I shelved it for like a few months after that. Um, really? You? You, Brit? Like, yeah, master this, of the scary you, game? girl who screams and looks for the things she's <laughs> screaming at in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I have grown much in my day. No, like, seriously, I was a little uh, of a wussy back in my time, even though I played all the Resident Evil games. But that was that was only because I had the cheats on, so I knew I couldn't die. So I was able to enjoy the story. Um, so my biggest gaming influence growing up was my grandma, and she would always suggest games to me. She suggested Final Fantasy, the Breath of Fire games. She introduced me to Zelda. So a lot of what she would recommend to me, I would play. And I was very, like, narrow-minded in that sense. Like, RPGs are the only thing that I really like. And through that, I I developed a deep appreciation for story and characters. And it wasn't until I started becoming super involved in the community back when I started blogging on the IGN community blogs in 2009 that I started learning about other games and that other genres could have just as good stories as an RPG. So Bioshock was something that was recommended to me. Um, Mass Effect, even though like it's an RPG at its core, it doesn't, you know, it's a sci-fi shooter hybrid RPG thing. And I got introduced to that because of people in the community. Um, unfortunately, I missed out on some games because of that. Like some, like Metal Gear Solid is a game I always wish I would have played. I know it's like one of those things, but it has such like a. Simon and I are both like, man. We, just, we both just shrugged. <laughs> no, because we've had this conversation. It's totally fine. <laughs> well, I know, and we've had this conversation about Metal, Metal Gear Solid, but it's like one of those things I wish I could have at least tried. But today, I just I don't think I'll get to it. Um, yeah. Does that answer the question? Uh, sure. I don't know. Thank you, William. Sure. You're the yeah. best. Play Divinity Resident Two with her wife. It's great. Well, well, I think you know just. Just to like expand a little bit on his question of like, do you think that affects the way that you play, you know, such titles today? And what was it that got you into video games the way you are today? Like clearly we as professionals that work in the video games industry are required to step outside of our comfort zone or even outside games that are particularly in our interest in order for the sake of diversifying our horizon of what games we've played Mm -hmm. in order to be able to have a more well-rounded opinion and be able to speak educated uh, or to speak, you know, informed about these, about these titles and about these studios, about these genres, 
And you can't do that unless you play the games, right? And you have those personal firsthand experiences with these characters, with these mechanics. And that's really the driving force behind why I've played a lot of the games that I played now. Because if I was purely playing games that I wanted to play, there was a ton of games that I never would have looked at. And that is, you know, to the detriment to my personal experience with games, because there's been games that... I kind of got dragged into kicking and screaming and then I came out the other side going, wow, I can't believe I was going to ignore that game. And that would have been a travesty for me to not actually have that experience just because I looked at the surface level information, whether it be box art, whether it be like a pull quote from a review or even just like a, like a tweet or something somebody said about the game and me being like, yeah, you know, whatever. That game looks stupid. I'm not interested, right? Like mm-hmm. so many times that happens, especially now when there's just so many games, it's hard to really kind of parse all of the information and go, what's a good game in order for me to play? And it's even more difficult in William's case where he's trying to get, um, you know, somebody in his life who's clearly not a lifelong gamer into trying more complex games. I would say... You don't want to jump into a game like Tomb Raider or jump into a game like Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-mm, you want no. to start with something a little bit more basic, something a little bit more approachable, something shorter, um, maybe something like Journey, which is, you know, a really nice short experience that you could play side by side or you could play passing the controller back and forth that will allow her to like experience the camera controls as Steimer mentioned in Viva Pinata, but also kind of a game that is critically acclaimed and won a bunch of game of the year awards when it came out. Start with smaller, more bite-sized things before you jump into like a 70 plus hour open world game. Oh, yes, yeah. that's very good advice. Don't just be like, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Enjoy. Cause she's probably not gonna have a good time. No, a game I always recommend that people play. Simon, I think you played this back in the day. Uh, Kalimba, right? Yes. So that's, the Kalimba, that's, I always get it mixed with its um, original title, which was Project Totem. But Kalimba is a really, really fun game to play with someone. Grab a friend, grab your wife, grab anyone, grab your dog. You never mind, your dog grab can't your play. Wife. But, <laughs> <laughs> grab your wife. Um, and also try games like that because it sounds like in your case, she's pretty familiar with controls. But if you have someone in your life who's not so familiar with controls, platformers are a great way to start. Yeah, very much so. Usually much pretty straightforward. Yeah. Because most people, at least if they've never played Mario, they know what Mario is. So they kind yeah. of like have, they have an understanding of like, I'm on a flat plane and I can jump and move. And that's you know, it. It's, it's kind of funny because Jason's parents wanted to play a video game. They, they kind of know what I do, but they don't quite understand it. So his mom, who's like in her early sixties, she's like, I want to play a video game. I'm like, all right, let's Aww. start with some Super Mario world. Let's see how this goes. Oh man, her. They, they, couldn't, they didn't know how to, they couldn't figure out the jump button. They couldn't figure out like that you're supposed to jump over things. They kept running into things. It was really sweet. So I guess also just have patience as well. Yeah. Don't be <laughs> too much important. of a backseat gamer. Because I would to, say. I, yeah, I think to us, it seems like a really simple concept. You run and you jump over things and you keep walking right. But that's a very foreign concept to some people. So well, I mean, and also like you want to figure it out on your own, right? right? Like that's what's tough about particularly doing puzzle games in a demo situation because like the dev or like the PR person is standing over your shoulder watching you try to figure out the puzzle. I remember when I played The Last Guardian at E3 in the PlayStation press booth and there was only like one station and like it was super hard to get appointments for 
and I was playing it and the guy whose appointment was behind me was sta- got there early and was just standing there watching me play and I felt so much pressure because yes. I didn't know what I was doing. So the best thing also is to do is to just give them space. Like if there's somebody you want to like introduce a game to, help them learn the mechanics and then let them figure it out on their own. Let them fail on their own without you there being like, oh, you did this wrong. Because we all know that that sucks. We don't yeah. want people telling us when we're screwing up. We know we screwed up. Let me screw up by myself <laughs> and fix it on my own and get better. Right. And it makes 100%. it more confusing when you tell them that they're screwing up and doing something wrong. Because if you're like me, you need to know why you screwed up and why you did something wrong. And the best way to do that is experience it yourself at those demo stations. Like you're saying, Andrea, if I'm trying to like figure out what I'm doing, the demo, de- demo guy or girl is like, okay, you got to push this here and you got to push this button here and do this and do that. I'm like, but why? And it's, <laughs> it's like, why leave me alone? So yeah, just echoing what you said. Yeah. I agree with this, with the space thing. Cause I think as I was saying, like, there's nothing more annoying than you trying to figure something out and having someone be like, right fucking there. <laughs> just like, meh. And you're like, no, just like, so make sure that they know what, like, the basics and then get out, get out of the room, go somewhere else, leave them alone. And then be like, if you need something very badly, I will be over there. You can come to me if you need to, but like, I just get out of their hair. Cause I think that's, like, I would not have fallen in love with games if somebody was standing behind me the whole time being like, you need to go collect the thing over in the corner. I would just be like, video games are annoying. That's what I probably would have thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Indeed. But thank you very much for your question, William. Um, definitely an interesting one. And one that we've gotten different iterations for. There have been other people who have written in with similar questions saying, hey, you know, like, I love games. How do I get somebody in my life to also love games? So I can play games with this person that I love. Um, and I think, you know, when we have a hobby we love, like we all, if you listen to the show, I have to assume that you love video games. Uh, Otherwise, I don't know how you got here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but welcome. <laughs> um, but um, uh, we get it. And so hopefully these tips have helped you out. And of course, you know, if you guys have additional tips or things that you've found or stories um, of people in your life that you've I- explored or introduced games to, that we would love to hear those. So let us know. Don't forget, you can reach out to us. Britt, there's so many ways that people can reach out to us. What are just a few of them? Just a few of those ways. You can go to facebook.com slash what's good games. You can go to twitter.com slash what's good underscore games. Instagram, eh. Um, contact at what- <laughs> sorry you're like I just don't even bother <laughs> contact at whatsgoodgames.com and you can see all of our content on our website at whatsgoodgames.com exactly um, we appreciate you guys tuning in every week if you have not yet gone to your favorite podcast um, app and rated our show or subscribe to our show we would love it if you could do that it would really help us out um leave us a rating leave us a review if you if you're so inclined uh subscribe to us on youtube leave us some comments maybe follow us on twitter we love interacting with you and engaging with you and um having convos with you about video games so thank you so much for listening we will be back next week but before we go we won't have another show that airs before the game awards there the voting will end on december 6th which is next wednesday so hopefully you're listening to this before then you can vote daily you can vote from facebook and you can vote from google again trending gamer vote is all you have to google and then it comes right up at the top there 
Or if you go to our Facebook page, we've got a link for you to click there. You can go to thegameawards.com and vote there. Greatly would appreciate your support. It would be amazing for What's Good Games and all that we've accomplished. And um, I appreciate all the messages you guys have been sending me. It's like so, so humbling. And you guys are so kind and have been saying nice things. And I can't thank you enough. So thank you again for all the support. And um, we will see you guys next week. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Bye.